Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Many of us take light for granted. We live, obviously, in a world where God created a sun as light for the day, but when the sun is hidden by the clouds or when the sun goes down at nights, we all live in houses where you flip a switch and boom, there is light. And probably not just one of those, but one of those at least in each room in your house. Or you get into your car and one feature actually that you will get in big trouble if it's not working is your lights to shine on the way that you are going and even to light uh, the, the back of your car for other cars that may be traveling. And as you drive around on the roads, most of them are lit with lights as well each night. We live in a world where light is everywhere, usually that civilization is. And so many of us haven't known a, a dark night um, where we were lost and needed some direction. Uh, when I was a college student in the Los Angeles area in California, sometimes I would go to the ocean uh, with some friends at night and you, we'd be right there next to next to the city. And so you'd have the, the bright lights of one of the biggest cities in the United States of America. And then in contrast to that, you'd stand on the shore and you would look out just into the blackness and the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. And it it felt like the lights of this uh, big city would just get swallowed up in the darkness of the ocean. And you can maybe imagine being a a sailor out at sea and and how dark that could have often been and how valuable it would have been to see the light of a lighthouse guiding you into port, especially a long time ago when you wouldn't have had so many lights of a big city, but a a lighthouse guiding you into a port or put yourself in the shoes of maybe a shepherd, someone like David, uh, where you're out trying to navigate and lead sheep through a field in the darkness of night and seeing the light of a city on a hill that, that gives you some reference and even helps light your way to where you are going. These would have been incredibly valuable things. So I want us to think about some of those images as we come to Psalm 43 today, and especially uh, as we get to verse 3. Let me start in verse 1, though. It says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So here you can see that the psalmist is in what we would, I guess, proverbially call a dark place, right? He he's feeling like God has rejected him. He's going about mourning. And that all sets up this prayer in verse three. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And maybe you even get that sense of somebody wandering, uh, trying to find their way when they see that light of a city on a hill, right? And that guides them into safety, that guides them into a dwelling place, that guides them to where they are going. And so I want us to think about where do we go in dark times? 
Do we run into our feelings? Do we look to the world for wisdom or do we cry out to God? God, send out your light and your truth. Do we look for the truth of God's word? We consider what this will be called later in Psalm 119 when it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And let's be thankful for God's word. You know, we talked about how we undervalue light. Well, we live in an age where most of us carry a flashlight in our pockets. That most of us are equipped with a cell phone that you can turn it on as a flashlight. Well, may we also consider that many of us, even through that same device, now we literally can carry God's word with us wherever we go. And when we feel like we're in a dark place, we've got a light that we could literally pull out of our pockets and put our minds onto the truth of this word. And so I want to challenge you today that when you feel like you're in the darkness, run to the light of God's word. God has given us a light. But also, as we think about this verse, and you think back to our church, Compass Bible Church, and really going back to our our sending church, when our sending church started, it had a theme verse, and that verse was Psalm 43.3. You'd see it on a lot of the printed material. We had, you know, big kind of container trucks that we use for storage kind of behind the building, and on that, this verse was painted, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And whatever church you're a part of, I'd love for you to take this verse and make it a prayer for your church, that your church would be a source of light and truth to your community, that your church would be that city on a hill that God is using to send out his light and his truth so that people can see it and their way can be brightened and they can have direction and reach a safe destination, right? And that should lead to joy. That's what we see in verse four. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. And then verse five repeats now what's been a refrain in Psalms 42 and 43, where it says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We see here consistently, he is going back. He is talking to his soul and he is directing his soul to God. That's another thing we need when we feel like times are dark. We need to open up the light of God's word and we need to talk to our souls. And I hope those things encourage you today, no matter what you are going through. Look to the light of God's word and pray that your church really is a place where that light is amplified and shared with everyone around it. Now, a lot of our other passages today, we're going to look at faith, but we're also going to look at still the powerful effects of obedience and disobedience. First, let's talk about faith and let's go to Romans chapter four. And Pastor Charlie kind of reminded us yesterday how clear and important this chapter is, that it makes it clear to us that the the way people got saved in the Old Testament is by faith. It wasn't by works. And now after Christ, it's by faith. And that's a question I get a lot uh, as a pastor. How are people saved in the Old Testament? Well, this chapter clearly shows us it was by faith. It was not by works. Now, there clearly is a difference. Did they know the name of Jesus Christ? Did they know that he died on the cross and that he rose again? No, they couldn't look back at all of those gospel facts like we could. But still, justification what was always by faith. And Abraham is a powerful testament of that. 
And I think we see, though, we start to see some in this passage of how faith uh, implies, goes beyond really just our salvation and our justification, that it begins to fuel our whole life. But first, again, we see how it affected justification, and we see how Abraham believed on this promise. And, And this is, it shows that this was to rest on grace It says in verse 15, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. And so we see there, it depends on grace and our salvation depends on grace. And we praise God for for this. And it's a righteousness that comes through faith. And this is the kind of character that, that God has, right? He is worthy of our faith and of our trust. But then we see here, uh, Abraham's trust really in the promises of God. Uh, and we see it specifically when it talks about in verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So we see there that this faith, really, it wasn't a dead faith. It was a living faith. And we talk about that often, how not all faith is really equal. And there's some faith that the Bible says is is kind of fake faith. It's, It's dead faith. But Abraham's faith was clearly real. He was fully convinced. He grew strong. But I think we also start to see in that how faith carries us beyond just justification. And that's a big driver in our sanctification as we continue to trust God, as we continue to follow him, we follow in the footsteps of Father Abraham, the father of faith for all who believe. And then we see a great summary of the gospel in the end where it says, it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And there it is again, what we spent this last weekend talking about that he was delivered up. He died on the cross on Good Friday for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification as proof of of the validity of what God had said of what Jesus had claimed to be and that our justification is real. So we can truly trust God for our salvation. We can trust the promises of God because Jesus died and rose again. So what there is, what what is left there for obedience? We're saved by faith and not by works. So then this whole obedience thing, where does that come from? Well, one thing I would say is it continues to be motivated by faith. But we also see there can still be some consequences as we consider the, the, the power and the destructive nature of sin in our lives. And I want us to see a little example of that in Matthew chapter 26, as we finish the chapter with verses 69 through 75. And here really we read the story of Peter denying Jesus. And we've talked about this a little bit as we've seen this was predicted by Jesus. We saw, I guess what you could call the overconfidence of Peter, how he claimed that he would not deny Christ, that he would die with Christ. We saw the prayerlessness 
of Peter. As instead of praying as Jesus was, he was sleeping in the garden. But now we see the denial that Peter makes that he even knows Christ. Even he resorts to invoking a curse on himself and swearing as he says that he does not know Jesus. And as he says that, the rooster crows and Peter remembers what Jesus had said. And the chapter ends with these sad words, and he went out and wept bitterly. And now we know this is not the end of the story for Peter. We're going to see even in John chapter 21, how Jesus very personally and gently restores Peter. And we're going to see Peter in the book of Acts. So I guess we've already seen that reading through the Bible this year, how he was a powerful leader in the early church. So we know this is not the end of the story, but we also see the pain and the bitterness of sin. And so while we realize we can't lose our salvation if we stumble by sin because it's not that we're earning our salvation, it is by faith. That does not mean that sin is not bad. That does not mean that sin should not be avoided because sin is still bitter. And even though you might fall into sin and that might not be the end of the story and God, if you are a believer, will restore you and and set you back on the right track, right? That doesn't mean that sin is not very painful and might lead to some bitter tears in your life. And so I hope that actually is a motivation for us to say no to temptation this week, whatever form that may take, just realizing, no, when I say yes to temptation, what I'm probably leading towards is some kind of bitter tears and bitter fruit in my own life. And whatever the pleasure of that sin might be, it is not worth it. May that be a warning to us. We also kind of see talk of obedience and disobedience as we look at Deuteronomy 26 and 27 today. Chapter 26 really gives them instruction on their offerings and how they were to give a tenth and to give back to God and to also to be generous, it says, to the fatherless and to the widow, right? And we see some, well, it's not legislated in some of these exact terms. We see some of these principles carry on to today, to why Christians should be generous, even off the top of what God has given to them for the sake of of ministry and those that serve the Lord and also for the sake of those in need. But then in chapter 27, it talks about this altar that they're to create on Mount Ebal. And if you go kind of in it would really be in the West Bank and Palestinian-controlled territory today. This Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim sit like right across this valley from each other. And you could see that they were to divide on these two mountains and recite back these blessings and curses. And then we see here the curses of disobedience in the end of chapter 27. And again, we know justification is by faith. Uh, Romans is making that so crystal clear. But may we also realize sin still has consequences that can often be bitter. And may we, instead of seeking the fleeting pleasures of sin, may we be motivated to run to the light. Uh, That God has sent out his light and his truth. And we want to run after those things. We want to be guided by those things because we believe, because of our faith. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.